0: Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arnault, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Nerdologues Presents Your Stories podcast, recorded live at Challengers Comics, 1845 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, The staff at Challengers was nice enough to let us use their art room for a special remote show, and we really appreciate their accommodation. Uh, This was the first of what will hopefully be many remote shows where we bring the Nerdologues to you. Of course, we do that every month on the internet, but I mean this in a more literal sense. Um, as such, there's a few more prepared pieces in this episode, as the Nerdalogs troupe introduces themselves to our new audience. Uh, so you'll get Bill Kenkel praising the X-Men's greatest enemy, Steve Persh and Claire Friedman's fantastic foreplay, and Chris Geiger and Joe Gennaro's awesome dude rebuttal. Claire also tells a story about what Batman has meant to her personal development. Uh, There's plenty of non analog goodness here, too, of course, as comedian Andrew Bentley airs his grievances with the graphic novel Identity Crisis, photographer Tim Manning talks about meeting one of his idols, lawyer Ed Soderbergh describes the battle wounds he's endured for loving Star Trek, and writer-artist DeAndre McNeil details what Spider-Man has meant to him. As usual, you'll also get music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and making her non-comedy singing debut, Claire Friedman. Uh, Quick note... I want to apologize for the sound quality in this episode, which dips a couple times. It's not too bad, but you'll notice it's just a little lower than usual. Uh, And because of our setup, we unfortunately lost two stories that were basically inaudible. So uh, I'm sorry, Dex and Sarah, but you guys did great, and we'd love to have you come back someday, and hopefully we can lock those stories down for the internet to hear. Uh, A few quick plugs. The next Your Stories recording is in three days on Sunday, March 18th. 7 p.m. at the Upstairs Gallery, 5219 North Clark in Chicago. As always, the show is free and is BYOB, so guys, if you're listening and you're near Chicago and you want to be on the podcast, please come share a story. Uh, The Nerdalog sketch troupe that you're going to hear in this episode will also be performing at the Des Plaines Comedy Festival on Saturday, March 31st at 4 o'clock. So if you're in the burbs, go to that. Uh, Also later that night, Nerdalogs will be celebrating its second birthday with a free party at the Upstairs Gallery, so please just come hang out. Uh, We'll be telling stories, playing games, basically just having a good time. Uh, You can also catch the Nerdalogs at C2E2 on Friday, April 13th, but more on that next time. One last thing. uh, Again, I've added a donate button to our blog homepage at yourstories.podbean.com. So if you've got a few bucks and you enjoy the show... Uh, you can kick some of that our way to cover the cost of web hosting. But as always, thank you very much for listening, and please enjoy the show.
1: Sometimes, something beautiful happens in this world. You
2: just got to know how to express yourself. You just got to say.
1: It felt great, it felt so good when I did it with my penis A girl let me do it, it literally just happened Having sex can make a nice man out of me Never guess where I just came from, I had sex If I had to describe the feeling, it was the best When I had the sex, man, my penis felt great And I called my parents right after I was done Oh, hey, didn't see it there, guess what I just did Had sex, undressed, saw her boobies, and the rest was sure Not to better. let me do
3: that thing Not to any girl ever now
2: say.
1: i surprised she even wanted me to do it. Doesn't really make sense, but man, screw it. I ain't one to argue with a good thing. She could be my wife. That good? The best 30 seconds of my life. I'm so hummed by <laughs> a girl's ability to let me do it. Honestly, I've had sex with a pile of manure. With that in mind, I'm not soft not smelling girls better. But she let me wear my chain until next letter. I'm not a watch. Nothing mattered except But I cried the whole time. I she might have been a
0: stories, but since some of you are new and you don't know what the hell Nerdalogs is about, it's not about this, just so you know. Um, gonna
4: is!
0: (laughs) We're going to show you what it's about with uh, one of their sketches. Uh, So, Bill Kenkel, everybody, please do the Nerdologues. Hi, everybody.
4: This is good, given the venue, I think, as an appropriate monologue. Um... I love me some X-Men the way Scott Summers loves Jean Grey. Now, I used to think that the X-Men was just about Wolverine's claws, or Beast's snarky quips and claws. But as I've gotten older, I have kind of really appreciate the core of the X-Men. It's, it's the Magneto-Xavier relationship. You see, the, the consummate good guy in Maharishi the X-Men Professor Charles Xavier believes that mutants should use their powers to promote peaceful coexistence with humans. But on the other hand, his one-time friend and now arch-rival, Magneto, thinks that that goal is impossible. He's the perfect foil. Magneto is like... He's like the Malcolm X to Professor X's MLK. Got that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And, And the thing is... I... I would agree with Magneto. I think I'd be an evil mutant. If you have superpowers, you're superior to other people. I don't care. Straight up, you are better. If other people don't understand you because of that, fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Case in point, Magneto and Xavier met in a post-war Israeli medical clinic. And Magneto's there, and my I add, has no faith left in humanity, because, this, he survived the Holocaust! <laughs> what, did Xavier, did to get there? I don't know, I think he joined the Peace Corps.
5: <laughs>
4: oh, I took a year off after college and find myself. <laughs> get a job, maybe. <laughs> And then they made a movie, and all of a sudden the X-Men were cool, and true fans everywhere had their passion revealed to the world. I didn't like this. I didn't like this one bit. My old friend, Steve Hirsch, tried to tell me this was a good thing. Bill, this is a good thing. (laughs) Steven, don't you see? They'll never understand us.
6: Bill, it's our responsibility to help the
4: cool kids relate to the x Men's sense of alienation. They'll never understand. They weren't ostracized. Only we can relate to the X-Men's sense of alienation. And that makes us the superior X-Men fans. Never again will I abide a nerd to be shamed by his nature. Never again! Never again! Don't do it! You should have killed me when you had the chance, Steven! Last night when we were playing Super Smash? I thought I'd forget, but I did. This will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. (laughs) Rise up, nerds! Rise up and cast off the shackles of your jock overlords! Rise up! Rise up! uh, Claire. Claire's next, I (laughs) think.
7: Um, Hi, oh, so, everybody and...
0: Can I get some background quick? I'm yes. sorry. So, that was obviously, like, a lark, even though there's, there's truth in it. I feel the truth of that, Bill. But, so, what is going to do is tell, like, an honest... Like, this would be an actual monologue, like, what what we might convince you guys to share, hopefully. Fingers crossed. So, look at what is doing and emulate her, you guys.
7: <laughs> um, yeah, and I... Uh, for those of you who are new to your stories, uh, your stories is especially great for me... It's how I came into the Nerdalogs, and this is actually the first story I told as my first, your stories with the Nerdalogs, and how I eventually became uh, part of that group. Um, so, on July 17th, 2008, I walked into a darkened IMAX movie theater at the Minnesota Zoo in Apple Valley, Minnesota, and prepared to see the midnight July 18, 2008 release of the greatest movie ever created, The Dark Knight. Thank you for watching the appropriate place to apply okay so uh, so everyone has seen the dark knight right of course you have because everyone's seen it because it was the greatest movie ever made and i walked in with my two best friends sitting on either side of me me and the rest of the entire nation sitting and looking up and waiting for this movie to start because batman is awesome but there was a time when Batman wasn't cool. Uh, in seventh grade, I was uh, low on the social totem pole. To say the least. Uh, but you know that like that like, weird girl uh, that like nerds made fun of. That was me. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, I once went so long without combing or washing my hair that dreadlocks started forming on the underside of it. What uh, happens <laughs> to work? <laughs> exactly, like like your cat. That's what I was like. Like people would not touch me. Uh, like uh, I I went to sit at my best friend's lunch table with her new best friends, and I gradually got shifted further, further, further down the lunch table until I was kneeling at the end of it. And my old best friend's new best friend looked at me and said, "Why are you sitting here? No one likes you." So that was great. <laughs> Um, and it was terrible. And then to hop it all off, I would go home and I would watch, uh, Batman Beyond, which was such a good show. For those of you that don't know, it was a show that was, uh... Better than everything else on television at the time As far as I was concerned It was a futuristic version of Batman Starring Terry McGinnis Not starring, he was a cartoon character Uh, Focusing on a teenager named Terry McGinnis Who had taken on the Batman mantle And had Bruce Wayne as a mentor Who like, you know, talked to him from a command center Ran from 1999 to 2001 And it was so good And I did not tell anyone that I watched it no one. Because I already had enough bad things going for me that I didn't need to be a 7th grade girl who was watching a show meant for boys significantly younger than me. And so I didn't tell anybody. (laughs) Until college. And eventually I got older, and I started wearing girls' clothes. And I started combing my hair, mostly. (laughs) And learning how to relate to people. And through all of that, Batman stuck with me. And what was really interesting, I think, is even though I changed in some surface ways, for the most part I didn't change. And I didn't stop liking the things that I liked, but I found that the people around me became the people who liked those things as well. And society began to come more and more close to the things that I. Found to be enjoyable. Even talking about the X-Men movies. Like, I love the X-Men movies. Everybody does, and I think that's so great. And everybody, everybody loves Batman. Including, I'm very proud to say, me.
0: Thank you very much, Craig Friedman. So, that is basically what your story is like: uh, is a bunch of Claires. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's yeah! Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. but so I <laughs> I have a few people signed up but uh, I would love for some of our newcomers or, or people who come all the time but never <laughs> share stories <laughs> to, uh, to maybe get up here and share some experiences but I'll, I'll go through the list I have uh, while you guys do that over so Andrew Bentley a Chicago writer comedian having heavy alright alright what I have
8: is not so much a, a story, I didn't prepare anything, um, but I figured this would be a good opportunity, being a comic book store, I assume a lot of people here are comic book enthusiasts. <laughs> that seems like a fairly safe bet. Um, I, I, I am not, Jenna. Uh, I mean, I've read Watchmen and I guess some of the other basics, a couple of like Batman comics and everything, but I've never been a comic book person. Uh, very recently... My roommate, Sawyer, who was very much a comic book person, uh, convinced me to read uh, Identity Crisis, uh, a D.C. trade paperback, is that
5: <laughs>
8: <laughs> Where they put a bunch of the comics together in one book? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. I did. Um,
4: yes. But,
8: <laughs> but uh, there was one yeah. part in particular I could not get over. Um, And I tried to rant to my roommate about it afterwards And he he didn't want to hear about it Uh, So maybe people here can help me understand Uh, And that has to do with the character Firestorm Um, Does anybody know who that is? Okay, I really don't know how prevalent he is Um, Or was, because he dies in this (laughs) Spoiler Uh, alert! (laughs) There's probably going to be a lot of (laughs) those The, uh, and he, his, he looks kind of ridiculous he's, he's, he's got flames that are shooting out the top of his head And my understanding of him is that he's effectively a nuclear reactor Like, inside him is a nuclear reactor Is that fairly accurate? Okay um, And in this comic, about halfway through they're, they're going around, they're looking for this killer They're interrogating people Halfway through, he gets stabbed in the chest and starts leaking, and realizes he's going to explode, so he flies up in the air and explodes, just in the lower atmosphere. (laughs) And nobody mentions this for the rest of the (laughs) comic At all. Like, I I, I even, I was sitting back there doing research to make sure I wasn't going to put my foot in my mouth. (laughs) detonating fissile material in the lower atmosphere would be ruinous to the northern hemisphere. And a nuclear reactor apparently puts out more radiation, worse radiation than an actual nuclear bomb. So this incident that just occurs over the course of a couple pages as like a sea story to everything else is far worse than what they're trying to stop in most comics, uh, and
5: everyone's
8: just sort of okay with it. But, and my question, how is this guy even allowed to be a superhero? because he can be pierced by a sword, and when he is pierced by a sharp object, he ruins the environment of a And I, I, I am hoping someone might be able to correct me, um, or offer some insight, because even, even more than that, uh, the I won't. I'll try not to spoil anything else. (laughs) Identity Crisis focuses on the idea that someone very special to the Justice League has been killed. They're trying to find the killer, uh, and they they go over and over and over again. Like she was like one of us, you know. You know, we have to you know find this guy. This is like the most important thing. Firestorm was literally one of them. And throughout the comic, there are pictures of him, like, in the Justice League, standing next to, like, Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern. And no one gives a shit. Whatsoever.
2: Is, am I off
8: base? Does, I, like I said, I don't read a lot of comic books. Does anyone have anything to add to that? Or like, am I right in being outraged about this? It
9: only gets worse.
8: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, dare I ask? Like, I don't know. It's just that it goes into the 52 and I'm not... It. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> well, okay. So, so. so I'm, I'm right to just steer clear of that entire higher vein of this. I mean
0: if, I think if you wanted the real answer they did Firestorm's funeral in the Firestorm comic, but Which seems I guess
2: appropriate. <laughs> 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 these feelings make you a comic book enthusiast now.
5: <laughs> I said too much. Alright Alright
0: well, thank you very much. My good friend Tim Manning, everybody. Uh, Tim is a photographer by trade and uh, by hobby, and he's a great
10: guy. It's really cool that we had a Batman story earlier, um, because the story is about Batman. Um, In the summer of 2007, um, Chicago was Gotham City. Uh, Chris Nolan and Warner Brothers were running around making Dark Knight. And being a comic nerd and a movie nerd and just, uh, you know, living around Chicago, we had to find out where they were filming. We had to follow them. So we go on the Internet, find stuff on message boards, really easy. And we decide one night after work, we're going to go to one of the shoots. So about 9 o'clock, we head over to Navy Pier. We actually, we missed it. They were filming the ferry scene, which, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Dark Knight by now, that's (laughs) your your fault. (laughs) So we missed that. But we knew that the next morning they were going to be filming at a small bar uh, on the north side, uh, Twin Anchors. It's on Sedgwick and Eugenie. I'll never forget that intersection. Um, But they were filming the next morning at about 8 or 9 o'clock. So being young and kind of dumb, we decided just to stay in the city all night long, even though we're from the suburbs. So we didn't really do anything in the city. We just went through the set that wasn't going to open up for another like 12 hours Mm -hmm. and looked around, saw the trailers and stuff, peeked in the bar, clearly couldn't see them. So we made our home base this Starbucks that was about two blocks north. We ate there, we slept there, we used the bathrooms. I spent more time in that Starbucks than any other Starbucks combined (laughs) ever. Um, So about 9 o'clock, things start to get rolling, and people are pulling stuff out of trailers, unrolling cables, setting up lights, all that kind of stuff. And we talked to a couple PAs and asked, you know, can we hang out? And they say, yeah, it's totally cool. Just stay out of the way. Don't take pictures. So the scene that they filmed there was the scene where Harvey Dent, now Two-Face, goes and he finds the corrupt cop, and, you know, he kills him. Now, if you remember in the movie, that's an interior scene. They don't show the outside of that bar. Which means we did not see anything the whole time we were there. They were inside the bar. Um, but I asked one of the PAs, I said, hey, can, uh, would it be cool if we got some autographs? Like if they're on lunch or they're not busy or whatever. And he says, yeah, totally, that's fine. We're like, oh, awesome, that's easier than we thought. <laughs> so I've got uh, Memento on DVD, which Chris Nolan directed, awesome movie. My friend's got Batman Begins, and we're going to get some autographs. And we're kind of sitting around, nothing's really going on. The only way that we really know a movie's filming is over the walkie-talkies we hear you know, quiet on set, everybody's quiet for about a minute, and then we hear cut, and then everyone starts talking. That's the only way we know there's a movie even going on. So we're there all day, in the sun, sleep deprived, we haven't eaten anything other than coffee and, you know, shitty pastries, um, we haven't seen anything, we saw no one cross the street once, we saw Aaron Eckhart with a hood over his head so he couldn't see his 2 face makeup, and that was about it. So then, around lunchtime, the PA that I talked to comes over and he says, Hey, I don't know if we're going to be able to get you autographs, but I could take your DVDs to Chris, and he could sign them, and then I can bring them back to you. I was like, all right, that's not really that cool, but, you know, whatever. At least it's autographs. So, a couple more hours go by. Now our DVDs are gone. We haven't seen anything. We're starting to kind of get tired and cranky. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom one last time. So I walked to Starbucks and go to the bathroom and I come back and I'm passing by the equipment trailers and next to the bar and I see my friends over in the corner across the street and they got this stupid look on their face they're looking at me and I get over there and I'm like, what, what? and they say, dude, Chris Nolan was walking like six feet behind you you could (laughs) have turned around and I was like, awesome, Thank thank you for telling me so now... I haven't seen anything, I (laughs) haven't met anybody I'm tired, I want to go home Um, Chris Nolan I missed my chance to meet him and now our DVDs are missing somewhere in this 500 person crew so we're we're about to call it quits and um, lunch ends and they're coming back from the trailers and as they're coming back, Chris Nolan's walking his wife across the street we're like, oh there he is, he's right there and DeAndre was with me and in a last kind of ditch effort he goes, no, you rock! <laughs> just, just a four nerd standing there. And, uh, and he sees us and he kind of smiles. And we're like, alright, we'll make him smile. I guess that's He <laughs> <laughs> Acknowledge our existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we were there. So he walks into the bar. And we're just kind of sitting there like, alright, we've been here since 9 o'clock the night before. It's about 3 in the afternoon now. <coughs> Let's cut our losses and just get out of here. We'll try some other time or something. And about that time, the front door of the bar swings open. And the PA that I talked to, that I'd given my DVDs to, he waves us over across the street. We're all like, us? You know? and he's like, yeah, come on over, come on over. So we run across the street, nearly get destroyed by set security because they had no idea he was waving. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 they're cool, they're cool. And he closes the door like just as we're walking up. Now, the, the front door to this bar is like two steps off of the sidewalk, so It's already above you. So as I get to the front door, it swings open And this, like, ten-foot-tall Englishman in a three-piece suit with, like, flowing blonde hair opens up, and he's holding our DVDs. And it's Chris Nolan. He's standing right in front of us. And, uh, like, the first thing he says, he goes, I heard you guys have been here a long time. And I was, I don't really remember what I said to him, but probably something along the lines of, yeah, about 16 hours or so, maybe. I don't know. And he goes, oh, my. Like, in this very polite English way of saying, like, you guys are really nerds. (laughs) And, um, he gives us our DVDs and stuff, and we're shaking his hand, and he's really cool, and, and, um, you know, we even get a picture with him on my shitty Razor phone, because I left my camera in the car, which is shameful, but, um, but he was, you know, he was really cool. And, uh... The thing that I remember the most was, you know, we shook his hand and we were talking to him and we were saying, you know, we're such big fans, you know, this is awesome, can't wait to see the movie. And he said, thank you. He said, Thank you for being here. Thank you for your support. And, you know, at the time it, you know, it was just kind of cool to talk to him, but the more I think about it, the more I realized this guy was in charge of the biggest movie to come out the following year. You know, they had a grueling shoot schedule, he had been shooting all morning. You know, think about it. That scene in the bar was, like, a minute at the most. And they were there all day shooting that scene. So it was, like, a grueling thing. And he was really nice to us and really kind of humble about it and thanked us for being fans. And I'll never forget that. And it, like, really changed the way that I interact with people, the way that I, like, perceive people. Because this big-time Hollywood director thanked these nerds for just standing there and not seeing anything. <laughs> and, um... I've got a lot more stories from the set. If you guys want to hear more, you know, maybe that's a different show. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, this, to my knowledge, is the only photo that has ever been framed that was taken by a a, a razor cell phone. <laughs> 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 and, uh... Man, awesome story. How sad is it that Gotham City is going to be Pittsburgh this year? Yeah,
0: seriously, fuck oh, Pittsburgh. Welcome back to the second half of your stories. Uh, I convinced a few of you to tell stories, so we do have some monologues up in part two, which is awesome. And again, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Challengers, for hosting. Uh, Me and Claire are going to do a song instead of me and Dwight. This isn't Dwight in disguise. Uh, this is my idea I'm sure the people Who own this store Are just so fucking Tired of this song But I, I love it so And when I knew We were doing a show here It was my demand Sorry. That we perform it So just sit
7: in the chair uh, That has my sucker in it Yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> So this is a song By the new pornographers Called Challengers God was late,
2: we were greeting the sun before long, and you live with someone, I live with somebody too.
0: the harmony, which is Dwight can attest, we've been in bands, I very rarely know the right harmony, and I was so excited that I knew the low male part, and, no, it's true, but then, so I listened to the track today, and, and I made that harmony up, like, it's not on the recording, so I don't know if it's better or worse for me, but anyway, um, so right now, uh, we have a lawyer coming up to speak to us, wow, wow we got a mixed response from that, Ed Soderbergh, everybody.
11: Alright, bear with me, because I'm actually nervous speaking in front of people, even though I speak in court all the time. So, a lot of nerdy stories that I've ever heard from anyone are kind of badge of honor stories, like old glory, I have this scar from this, like, you know, jocks have them from sports, a lot of guys have them from like, ex-girlfriends and stuff like that. This kind of actually combines... A little bit of sports, a little bit of ex-girlfriends, and a lot of being a nerd. And this is my glory story, I guess. So um, I grew up in Europe where there isn't so much a distinction, I don't think, between the nerdy people and the not-nerdy people. It's something I was forced to look right in the face when I moved uh, to the States in the middle of seventh grade, which, you know, junior high school, so... (laughs) I got my ass kicked a lot for being the British kid. Anyway, um, so later on into high school, um, I kind of wore being nerd, nerd on, my, um, on my sleeve. I know a lot of people kind of do it now because it's cool now, but I did it before it was cool. Um, and I got away with it with a lot of women because um, my accent at the time is not what it is now. I was British, so, oh, he's not nerdy, he's just British, and that's really cool. <laughs> Um, so somewhere around When I was 15 years old um, I just Over the course of two weeks This uh, I sound like a midwestern, midwestern so, um, I had a girlfriend when I was 19 Who had known me when I was younger And was convinced that I was just suppressing the accent It would come out if we got Close enough and everything um, And yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't do it for her certainly Um and uh, she, she also had some other ideas about how she was going to mold me, so she kind of saw me as, uh, you know, I'm going to turn him into, I'm going to make him British again somehow, and I'm also going to get rid of this nerdy stuff. She didn't really like it. And one way I'm really nerdy is I'm a huge trekking. Um I love Star Trek, uh, except for Voyager. I love... I love my opinion. <laughs> I love Deep Space Nine. That's my favorite.
5: Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. The
11: best. So, um, one night, this is over the summer, I get a call from my girlfriend. She wants to uh, hang out, and you know, I should have been pretty excited about that because we were uh, physically intimate. (laughs) Even though probably most of the time I was thinking of Zia Dax. Um, So I I say, uh, sorry sweetie, I just kind of like I had a long day. I just wanted to kind of like uh, stay in and watch some, watch something. She's like, you're going to watch Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to watch Deep Space Nine because I have fucking DVDs and I want to watch them. (laughs) So she said something to the extent of, oh, well, we're just going to have to take care of that later. That's not going to stand for much longer. So um, I say, okay, um, I'm going to come over. We're going to see each other. Hang up the phone. And I thought, okay, I got to break up with her. So... (laughs) She didn't live too far from where I lived at the time, so I uh, I just ran over, her. and that was like the last time I would ever run properly. So I get over there, and I dump her. And I'm pretty good about this with girls. I'm pretty straight to the point. Like we're breaking up. That's it. There's no discussion. I mean, you can't have fucking space nine. So. Uh, <laughs> She starts crying, and it's not like cute movie crying. It's like snot everywhere. (laughs) Uh, It's the ugliest she ever was. um, So I just, I said, okay, I'm sorry. Well, I hope we can be friends someday, you know. And uh, That's what you say, right? And so I start walking away. Um, Now, she played golf, and she had a really good golf swing. And her dad had been doing some gardening earlier with a small shovel. And as I walked away, I mean, I, she was freaked out. She's kind of a violent bitch. She grabbed the shovel and hit me in the back of the knee as hard as she could. Oh. Oh. So I went to the ground. Um, I didn't even feel it for a while. I was just like, "Why did my leg give out?" A weird <laughs> it cramp or something. I'm on the ground. You know, she gets on top of me. Starts just, you know, I don't touch her at all because, you know, that mm-hmm. would have looked bad. Um, so eventually, she's just like crying so much, she starts choking on her own mucus. Um, And she just, like, walks off and yells some threats or something. And I finally, like, pick myself up. Um, I call my sister. She comes and gets me as I'm, like, hobbling to the car. She's like, no, I really don't like that girl that you did. Well, let me tell you a story about how I hurt my knee. So, um, I went home. I was in blinding agony. I took a couple of leave. And I ended up watching, I think, all of season two. That... So I'm, that's my, you know, I broke my knee for Deep Space Nine. So that's my badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: what do I have to do that I prove Space, uh, that I to prove that I love Deep Space Nine as much as you? Like, what do I have to break on me? The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, dress up like. <laughs> C2E2 is right around the corner <laughs> um, So um, earlier when Tim was telling his Batman story He referred to his, his friend DeAndre It wouldn't be fair to call DeAndre a Robin To Tim's Batman But for the sake of having an easy introduction That's what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> DeAndre McNeil oh, <laughs> oh. <heavy. laughs> I'm sorry I don't
9: understand. Well, as I was sitting here and I was um, listening to everybody, and I was really thinking how I would like to get up and, and tell a story that um, would really kind of resonate with everybody. And I'm thinking through all the geek stories that I have through my head, and I think the first one that I really remember is the first one that I ever experienced. Um, I know a lot of us immerse ourselves in geek culture, but we kind of forget where that first inkling of geekness came around. You didn't always grow up, just like in Star Trek. There was a point in time where that, that really resonated with you and that turned you over to the dark side, so to speak. Um, and I, I still remember mine as I was probably about five years old or so. So this was in nineteen eighty nineteen eighty eight. 1988. Um, I was just like... I was always kind of geared towards... Uh, comic book characters, things like that. Um, my dad was an artist and graphic designer, so um, something about just the drawing form, always, it was, it was instinctual in me, it in my DNA, I had no choice, so I always had my action figures around me and everything, um, always watched the cartoons, and one of my favorite characters was always Spider-Man. Um, I think Spider-Man really resonates with all of us, because he's, he's an everyman guy, and even being a five-year-old kid, you still see that there's, there's something about Peter Parker that makes him different than everybody else, and he was, he was different for a character, like, you know, there was guys like Batman that were super rich and he drove this awesome car, and guys like Superman that could, like, you know, pre-crisis lift buildings up and throw them into space and everything like that. <laughs> and um, Spider-Man was always very measured. He, nobody really liked him. The New Yorkers didn't really tolerate him. Uh, J. and Jameson was always ragging about him. Uh, he didn't have any money. And, you know, being a blue-collar kid from Chicago, you know, you could always understand all those things. Um, I'll I'll recall going to Great America one time, I think this is quite before Warner Brothers had complete dominance over Six Flags with all their characters, and my mom's trying to get me to, you know, oh go on this ride, I I hate rides, I, I get very bad altitude sickness when I go over 20 feet. So <laughs> that just was not going to happen. I was having a terrible time. Um, also, didn't you know really want to participate in any shoot water in the clown mouth games and win the shitty stuffed animal that I didn't want. <laughs> um, but something just drew my attention, and I, I was just drawn to it. There was a crowd of kids just gathered around. They're screaming. They got birthday hats on. There's balloons, everything like that. And I just kind of wander away from my mom. Don't say anything to her, I'm just like, there's kids, there's fun going on, I need to see what's, what's going down. And I go over and I see this is some kid's birthday party and I see Spider-Man. And I think this, this is fucking Spider-Man. This is Spider-Man <laughs> in the flesh right here. You don't understand it. This is a birthday party and they paid some guy to dress up like Spider-Man to come here to me that was Spider-Man. And my jaw was on the floor. And I'm walking up to him, and he sees me coming as he's singing happy birthday to some random fucking kid. I wasn't thinking about it at that point in time. And I'm just standing there right beside him, and he looks down at me. And just say, how's it going there, buddy? i rubs my head. And I, I remember the feeling of his <laughs> fine Spanish love as it ran through my hair. And I just said, you're (laughs) Spider-Man. He just said, (laughs) yup. And uh, I was like, awesome. (laughs) He's like, you want some candy? And he reaches in the bag and he gives me candy. Now, I'm a five-year-old kid. There's two things in the world that I love right now. That's Spider-Man and candy. (laughs) And I'm getting both of those right now while being in one of the biggest theme parks in the world at that point in time. And my mom rushes over this fun time. She's like, what are you doing? Like, This isn't your party. Like, You didn't tell me anything. I thought I lost you. And I'm just like, it, it was Spider-Man here. I saw Spider-Man. And he gave me candy. Like, I had candy. She's like, okay, whatever. And I couldn't think of anything that whole time. I'm just like, bye, Spider-Man. Just, See you, kid. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't even remember what happened for the rest of that day. Like, I really can't. I do remember going home, and I still have a little bit of candy Spider-Man Gate. <laughs> and And I looked in it and there was, this, there was this tiny tiny Spider-Man ring, you know that you could you know get out of a bubblegum machine or something like that, and it, and it had a pose of them on it. and something just told me like, you have to draw this. you have to do it. So I got my paper and my markers and I sat down and I started trying to draw Spider-Man of course. it was, it was terrible, but I was obsessed with getting that image right. Uh, I did it over and over again. My mom came in the room. She's like, you're leaving these drawings everywhere. She's balling them up, throwing them away. I don't care. I'm still drawing. I'm still drawing. And I get it to where it kind of looks okay, where my brother walks past me. He's like, right, you're fine, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty all right. I didn't stop. Um, uh, I made sure that I got the colors right and that maybe his mask looked a little wonky and God damn it, trying to do that webbing. It was just, (laughs) it was probably the most difficult character for a five-year-old kid to draw, but um, I never stopped drawing at all after that. At that point in time where I started drawing, I I knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I knew at that point in time that I was going to be an artist. And I just think to just that one incident of seeing something out of the corner of my eye and then meeting my childhood idol and him giving me a stupid ring that would bring that out in me and that started a love of comic books for me as a medium and, uh, I got to tell you growing up in inner city Chicago during the late eighties, early nineties, it was not a fun time, uh, anywhere. It's where we probably needed a real superhero at a lot of points in times and my escape and being able to stay away from the seedier elements was always to bury my face in a comic book, you know, re-aspire in a story. Um, Sit and draw Spider-Man. I could still do it on the page, and I have a sheet of paper right now, just out of memory. And you know, I didn't get saved from a burning building, or I didn't fall from a great height. But in a lot of ways, just that character, um, in Spider-Man, saved me. And I probably owe a lot of things that I've done, where I am right now, to to the here Park.
0: But anyway, so we're gonna—we got a few more prepared items to close out the show. I'm gonna try to do a real like old-timey radio intro for this. Hmm. We take you now to the bedroom of Stephen Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Old-time radio. <laughs> <laughs> and this—they this, uh, just filmed the video of this sketch that should be available soon. It'll
7: be on the internet. Yeah. Somewhere. That's what that's gonna. Be. <laughs>
6: Hey, honey. Hmm? Uh, I was thinking we could try uh something to spice things up tonight.
7: Oh, okay. Ooh, let's let's do try kind of role playing. I want to be someone from a
6: movie. <laughs> I was just thinking blindfold or something. But...
7: Oh no! Come on, you can do better than that.
6: Okay. Uh. <laughs> oh. Uh. Yeah. I'll be. I'll be. Uh. Han. Uh. Han Solo from. Okay the third one, Empire or whatever, where he was, uh, he was frozen in carbium, and he can't see, so all he can do is, is touch Queen Leia.
7: <laughs> <laughs> what? It's Han Solo, and he was, he was frozen in carbonite. Carbium isn't a thing. <laughs> and, it, and it's Princess Leia and Queen Amidala.
6: Alright, fine. I was Frozen in carbonite. And now I'm really hard. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I don't, don't want to do a slate land fantasy. Those are over- overdone. Just pick some. Pick another movie.
6: Okay. Uh, oh, X Men. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. I'll be I'll be Cyclops. So I have to keep my eyes closed because <laughs> otherwise my power rail just blasts all over your face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and,
6: yeah, and you'll be. Uh, you'll be Jean or whatever And, and you want to touch me real bad But you can't because if you do you'll suck my life
7: force <laughs> That's Rogue
4: Then be maybe Rogue Scott. Rogue
7: and Scott Summers Gross Rogue and Alex Summers maybe
6: Okay fine Rogue and Alex Summers I what can't up? do
7: a southern accent you don't...
6: Uh, you don't have to do a southern accent
7: Ooh let's be Logan and Lady Deathstrike Who? <laughs> Never mind <laughs>
6: Alright, fine, let's go back to Cyclops and Jean Grey or whatever I'm just
7: not sure it's the best idea for me to channel Phoenix <laughs> sex. Like, what if I go all Dark Phoenix on you and destroy the entire solar system?
6: <laughs> Alright, uh, fine, how about Harry Potter? Okay. I'll be Harry... You can be the girl. And you can touch my magic wand. The girl.
7: the girl. The
5: girl.
7: By the girl, do you mean Hermione Granger? Icon of my childhood pinnacle of the portrayal of female intelligence in young adult literature. That Hermione? Because she was with Ron, not Harry, and she would never do that to him. Not that the movies paid any
5: attention
7: to that, because they had all these significant glances between Harry and Hermione that were totally irrelevant by the time J.K. Rowling finished writing any of the books, which you have never read, by the way. And you know what? You know what? That doesn't work. J.K. Rowling is better than that, and so am I. So pick another movie!
6: All right. How about American Beauty? I'll be the guy who masturbates in the shower. (laughs) Get (laughs) out (laughs) of (laughs) here. (laughs) Sit (laughs) down. (laughs) Take a seat. Get out of
2: here. Get out of here. Yeah, they're I like the girl in these movies.
3: What's up, y'all? As they do, hit counter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, nerds? We are. As always, my friend Trey. Trey Hawkins. And welcome to Awesome Dude Roboto! The show where we count down the top five things that we agree slash, slash disagree with on. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Monster Energy Odorant.
8: Yeah? Yeah?
3: Number one, the first and only antiperspirant to cram taurine, glorana, and B vitamins straight up in your own. Straight up in there. <laughs> what well muscle Yeah, that's it. Alright, let's it Alright. Now number five. Video games. Agree. agree. With cadence <laughs> Now you can't go wrong with awesome role video games like Call of Duty or Madden. So us here at Awesome Dude Rebuttal, we're gonna show you a handy guideline to make sure the next game you play Ain't nerdy. All right, that's my lovely assistant, Trey. Trey Harkin. We'll demonstrate. All right, Trey, look down at yourself. Are you a human? Yes, I am a human. Nice. All right, look up. At your enemy across the room. Is he also a human? Yes, he is a human. Nice. All right, now look down. What are you holding? A plus three constitution sword. It's a football. Nice. It's a football. All right. Go
2: deep. (laughs) Touch
3: Yeah, that was five. This is four. Hit it. (laughs) Superhero Comic Comic books. Same difference. Comic (laughs) books disagree. Comic book movies agree. agree. But why did it take them so long to make the the awesome movies of Thor and Captain America? I mean... Those are two of the most jacked dudes in uh, in comic books. Yeah. And they're only making those movies because they saw how well the number one awesome dude superhero did. Of course, I'm talking about. Iron Man. Seriously, dude is rich as fuck and swimming and winning. Yeah, I mean, he chased his tail like a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number three is anime. I don't know if you've heard about this. I just learned about this. (laughs) I'm just going to say it once. No cartoon porn. Disagree with anime. (laughs)
2: Nah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Think about it. Pentacles are kind of like penises. I'm not intimidated
2: by.
3: It. <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. i right, moving on. Number two is science. Oh. You know, how do you feel about science, Trevor? Ah, uh, science. Disagree. What? It's lame. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with you there on that disagreement, Trey. I mean, science is a lot of cool shit, you know? Well, it was, it it was, was cool shitty, now. It was, shitty, it was in school. shitty in school. Shitty in school does awesome cool shit now. now. All right, right? I agree my like, dad agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, think about all the awesome shit that science
5: does. Oh, like, my God.
3: Science is so much cool shit now. Like the like, uh, stars on oh, the sky. Um... Cars. Yeah, all the parts of car. Most of the parts of cars. Yeah, like the, like the rubber parts and the machine parts. Yeah, like the not, to, parts. yeah not the glass. Not glass parts. Aren't science. Uh, 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 I, I, I uh, uh, you know like uh like when you like slide into b- first base. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like, like the way the dirt's
5: made up.
2: Yeah. That's science.
3: That's or, or like when you slide on a wood floor in your socks. That's yeah, science. That's <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no, no. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. uh, you know, like uh, iPhone. Oh, that's like 90% yeah, science like <laughs> and like 10% women. Oh yeah, speaking of women, women, number one, number one thing we agree slash disagree with nerds on. Women. women. Girls. 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 Yeah, seriously, <laughs> dudes, just talk to them. They speak English. Yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna bite you. No, unless yeah. you ask them to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? you know, what's, uh, you know what else is magic? What's that? The, the female orgasm. Oh, yeah, science hasn't proved that yet. Say. Say. Yeah, that's all we got to say about
0: that. All right, Eric, thank you. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for coming. Thank you to the Nerdologues for doing some sketches. Um, this is some kind of a nerdy movie. I mean, it transcends nerdiness into instant classic status, I think. All right, you ready for this? I